Right, and and that's the thing, you know, if if we're so focused on pursuing something that we want outside of what we already have, then we, we forget to notice the people who are actually appreciating what we do. Like, so we, we have this thinking maybe that, okay, if somebody appreciates me, something's wrong with them, you know, that's, that's the kind of thinking I think that, that, that we can resort to if, if we're not like 100% confident about our own value on the, on the marketplace. Um... Want to listen to this Ivory Tower Boiler Room or True Crime and Academia episode ad-free? Head on over to our Patreon and join either the ITBR student or the ITBR professor level. Both levels of membership have a seven-day free trial. With the ITBR professor level, you also not only get access to all of our video episodes, like listening or watching Scream Part 2, you also get access to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room and True Crime and Academia book clubs. The book clubs are going to each be a one-hour private Zoom. I'm hosting the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. Mary DePippi's hosting the True Crime and Academia ones. So if the ITBR professor level, you get access to all of our video and audio episodes, plus our book clubs. And make sure you download the Patreon app on your phone for such an accessible, easy-to-use way to consume our content. Okay, can't wait to see you all on Patreon. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Dr. Andrew Rimby. And before you hear such an exciting episode, I want to remind you all that when I'm not here hosting the Ivory Tower Boiler Room, I am running my small business, the Ivory Tower Boiler Room, where I am consulting with clients. It includes academic writing, consulting, social media, podcast, and expanding your media footprint. So, I have clients I'm working on graduate school writing with them. I can work on thesis writing, dissertation writing, essay advice, college admission essays, undergrad uh, college advice, graduate school advice. 
I also am working on a client's small business right now and expanding her social media footprint. I can work on how to create a podcast with you or how to expand your podcast audience. I also can just help you expand your media footprint in general. So if you're interested in my consulting, I first want to let you all know it is only $30 for the first hour that I work with you on consulting, and then I'll set up a package with you then. So you can email me at ivorytowerboilerroom at gmail.com, or you could go to our Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com backslash ivorytowerboilerroom, and there's a consulting option under mem memberships. You can pay the $30 and then I will reach out to you right away and we'll set up a consultation. And then while you're on our Patreon, make sure you join the Ivory Tower Boiler Room and the True Crime and Academia Book Club. Every month, both myself and Mary are choosing books for our book club members to read. And we are actually polling our members on Patreon to see what books they want to read. And we're meeting with them the first week of each month. So if you want to join um, the book club each month, just make sure that you join on Patreon. That way I know who's joined and I can reach out to all of you and let you know when we're meeting on Zoom. Okay, so lots of things to do here in the Ivory Tower Boiler Room, and I can't wait to consult with you, join you for a book club discussion, and have you here listening to one of our podcast episodes. Okay, enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. This is Dr. Andrew Rimby, and I'm really excited about this conversation because so many of you out there, you reach out to me about starting your own businesses. What did it take to go into public humanities or to bet on yourself as an artist, a writer, a creator? And I'm joined here with a friend, very good friend of mine, someone I've known almost since I started at Stony Brook. Uh, and now having ended at Stony Brook, it's been about nine years. So we've probably known each other for like eight and a half years, which time has flown by for us. So I'm joined with such a kind person, a beautiful soul. Her creativity has always astounded me, Miss Anne-Sophie Anderson. Hi, Anne-Sophie Anderson slash Sophie. <laughs> Hi, Andrew. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, it's been just so wonderful seeing your journey. And when I said I really wanted to talk with you and present more of our what I call like ITBR teaches episodes or an informal conversation for mm. the public, I thought that now that I'm done my PhD, now I'm offering consulting for those who want to do podcasts or need writing help, need social media branding help. And I'm like, wait, Sophie has created her whole music festival and you went on your own as an artist. And I know that you've been doing this journey being, I'll call it freelance, but I'm sure you have a better, you know, entrepreneur. I'll say you're, you know, music right. entrepreneur yeah. and I'm an academic entrepreneur. We're both entrepreneurs. When did you know you know, even if you want to tell everyone out there about your process at Stony Brook or, you know, how we met, when did you know, okay, this really, I need to be doing something that is fulfilling for myself, that really speaks to my heart? Mm. 
Well, it kind of started out that way, to be frank, but it just kind of morphed into something different than it was at first. So I started my career really when I was four years old and the, the first time I heard of violin solos, you know, I, I was just so taken in with everything that was going on on stage, you know, the, the big gowns, all of the limelight, you know, the, the expressivity of everything. And so I thought, this is what I want to do. And so that was a goal that I pursued for the next many, many years of my career. But uh, it just turned out that path didn't work out for me. Uh, because I'm, I'm not really cut out for the whole competition environment. So I kind of realized that along the way and I had to think of some other possibilities for what, what I could do career-wise. And that's when my teacher, Philip Setzer of the Emerson Quartet, um, and I came up with this, this idea of starting a music festival in, um, in Denmark, where I'm from. So I, I did that and I did that for many years. and. I don't think I ever kind of thought of that as a career goal, but that's one of the things that happened. And I think along the way, like learning from doing that and just learning from the way that the whole music environment changed during those years from when, when I was a student and up until this moment in time, I, I think I just realized that what I wanted wasn't really what I wanted in a sense. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the short version of that story. Well, and new music for strings. We got to plug, we'll plug your festival, right? Um, um, going yeah. in what, how long have you had new music for strings, Sophie? Uh, it started in 2016 and the oh. last festival was this year, this August. So very recent. This was yeah, the seventh okay. edition. Wow. I remember that first year or when you were planning and just all the different stages. It, um, for everyone out there, Sophie and I, we would like hang out during blizzards. I just remember this beautiful snowstorm <laughs> where you were like working on your composition. I was probably reading and writing and <laughs> full of all my, <laughs> uh, you know, deadlines that I was getting to as well. And you always just so knew your voice or you taught me about what it meant to really not listen to the naysayers or the critics like that's something i've now finally learned is to turn off that noise of not mm -hmm. needing that validation because i think for so long i was looking for validation from the university as my identity and now that i'm not at a college after 12 years like from undergrad to grad and having my phd i realized wait I'm not at a college right now. And this is probably the best thing the universe could have done, which is to give me a pause or a refresh, a reset. And whether the university I enter back in a capacity, you know, it will be what it will be. And I'm not saying I wouldn't love to have the university be there for me mm -hmm. to enter back into. But I really do feel there's something calling me right now, Sophie, to be in media for me to really connect all these artists together and to just have more of a public voice. And I mean, what else am I doing with my LGBTQ work and advocacy and literature and culture mm -hmm. if it isn't for the public? I mean, there were things at the university that even I, like yourself, the hardest part for me was feeling it never was, um, that it was always restarting every semester. Like I always mm -hmm. wanted continuity. Like 
Right. It was wonderful. Like I have wonderful students out there who have gone on to amazing careers. I love following them, but I do follow them. Like I get to see what they do on social media, but you know, for so many faculty, they don't have a social media profile. They don't want to follow their students after. And even with conferences, it can feel that you've all done such enlightened thinking and then it's done. And I'm like, but where's the aftermath? Like where's the archive. And it's like, now there is an archive of conversations. And I realized what I had to create this, like I, like yourself, I mean, what gives you so much passion? Like, what is it about new music for strings or just what's fueling you right now? Well, I feel like, first of all, there's so much of what you said um, to unpack. So one, one thing I think is really, really important for my journey, for everyone's journey is, um, focusing away from getting approval and affirmation and, you know, refocusing onto alignment. So really, you know, it, it's not about finding people who will accept you and tell you that you're good enough. Like so many of us believe that and it, it's just not true. I mean, sure, there are some times when you're not good enough, but you usually know when that's the case, right? And you go back and, and work on whatever it is you have to work work on. But really, it's it's more about like what's aligned with my passion, like who is doing something out there that's, you know, on the same frequency as, as I want to be. And, you know, when that's the case, you naturally find each other. It, it's not about like getting ahead of the pack and like achieving some kind of job that ultimately affirms that you're worthy of whatever that job gives you. Uh, and I, I think that's so important to realize. And another thing that I think is really important is just the whole idea of hierarchies and dismantling the hierarchies of academia or music or whatever it is, because we're kind of, we're kind of raised on these ideas that they're, they're sort of fixed positions or strata in society that we can achieve and like if, if you achieve one thing then you know you're at this level if you achieve like higher status then you know you're a little bit higher level and and then people sort of behave like that and I really think that's something that belongs to the 20th century frankly we we're about to move on from that and and we're moving on to a world where everyone is trying to realize their own potential and and finding those who are in alignment with their potential so to me, that's something I'm really, really passionate about and that I've also tried to create in the projects that, that I've um, spearheaded. I've tried to create that kind of environment where everyone can realize their potential and everyone can feel like they're equals trying to create something together. I love everything you've said. I mean, the alignment aspect, there's such a powerful spirituality right now, I feel in my life of... Mm -hmm like how nature or um, collaboration, like this theme right now in my life is about, you've said it so beautifully. So I don't wanna try to paraphrase Sophie, something that you've so succinctly <laughs> and just poetically said. It, it reminds me of having my friend, Sarah, who read my birth chart on the show, who is an astrologer and realizing, mm. oh, there's something, of meaning of just listening to even my astrological chart or how I'm starting to find those like-minded people that the frequency you put out there is attracting those who see your authenticity. And like, that's what always resonates so much with me is when listeners, when they are messaging 
when they say, I was thinking about that topic and I'm so glad you voiced it. Or I thought I was the only one who thought that I put my whole identity in this career, but that really wasn't the happiness I needed. My happiness was within myself. And mm. I've said it to so many, Sophie, this is truly the first time. And I hope it doesn't sound like sympathy that I'm looking for because I'm not. But it is the first time where I really can say that I can look at the mirror and I'm happy, like I'm content and I'm not looking for that approval of a profession trying to approve who I am. And right, when you get a PhD, it is all about the deadlines, the goals, the you know steps that you take. And I think once I submitted my dissertation, I realized, wait, this is now my work. Like I am now... Yes, I had a beautiful committee, a beautiful support system, and I thank all of them. But I'm sure they would mm -hmm. say, now's the time for me to launch myself into the universe, to really see, I need to take risks. Like, I feel that I now can take risks, and I'm excited that I'm nervous. Like, for the first time, I'm actually really nervous, but it's a good mm -hmm. energy. It's like that nervous energy of what's going to happen next. I am here with the co-owner of one of my favorite stores here in Port Jefferson Village, New York. It is called The Soapbox. So Janine said, Andrew, I have these four products you need to get your hands on. It's called Four for Fall. So she's going to go over these four products. I know first you have a soap for me. What is the soap? I, do. I have a soap for you. It is called Apple Cider Shea Butter Soap. It's by a company called Greenwich Bay. And this is a great soap because you can use it for your hands or your body. And it has a delicious apple cider scent. And I think you're actually already familiar with it. Yes, it is Try in it. my shower. I still have it. It lasts a very long time. Yeah, great lather. The lather is wonderful. Mm -hmm. It's just so luxurious. And I love the scent into November. Yes. You know, this apple cider just it evokes so many cozy feelings. Oh. After the soap, we have something that you can add on to yes. in the shower. So what is this? This is a wonderful, wonderful um, exfoliating shower scrub. It is by a company called Primal Almonds, and it's a sugar whip shower scrub. And the scent is pumpkin spice. It's a moisturizing sugar scrub. So it's tiny little sugar granules. And it's something that you would use after you shower twice a week because you don't want to strip your skin of your natural um, oils and your your moisture, but it's wonderful. It just really exfoli exfoliates all that dead skin and leaves your skin very smooth and soft from all the, um, the sugar. So after I use the exfoliant right now, we need to moisturize. So yeah. I know you have a really nice fall body lotion for us. Absolutely. Um, this is just such a delicious scent. This is one of my favorites for fall. It is, the scent is Orchard Breeze. And it's by a company called Michelle Design Works. Um, this is another product that you can use hand or body, hand and body. Um, it's great. You can place it um, on your vanity, just a couple of pumps for your hands or use it on your entire body. But it's shea butter based. So it's extremely moisturizing. Um, it's, it's just wonderful. And the scent is just lovely. We need something more deep for our face. Everyone yes. wants face masks. And I know that you absolutely love this company and this product. Yes. This is one of my favorite masks by one of my favorite companies that we carry and we support. The company is called Farmhouse Fresh, and they're right out of Texas. 
The mask is called Splendid Dirt, and it's a nutrient-rich mud mask. Um, it consists of pumpkin puree, and the benefits of this mask, uh, it's a pore minimizer, a radiance booster, and a skin degunker. So it's an all-around great mask. If you really want a boost of radiance, it brightens your skin, and it really cleanses your pores. If they live on Long Island or near Long Island, you know, what is your address uh, for them to come into the store? We're located at 18 Chandler Square in Port Jefferson, New York, right in the village. Um, and if you can't make it, you have to come in because we just have so much fun stuff in here. So many wonderful products. Um, but if you can't make it in, please give us a call. We're more than happy to um, ship any of these wonderful, all any of these wonderful products to you. Um, uh, call us at 631-509-1424. You could always um, reach us on Instagram at the soapbox NY. Or you could always um, check us out on our website, Soapbox NY. Um, and yeah, there's so many ways to access yeah, your so products. Many ways to reach us. And Janine is more than happy. And Mariana, the oh, other co-owner. My mom, actually. Yes. yes my mother. Are so willing to take your orders yes. via phone, via Instagram. And I can't wait for everyone else to enjoy these luxurious products. Imagine that. You're riding the Turner Classic Movie, Great Movie Ride in Hollywood Studios. It's in the 1990s. As you're journeying through the Great Movie Ride, you pass the Wizard of Oz, where all of a sudden you see the Wicked Witch of the West ascend into Munchkinland in a cloud of smoke and flames. Well, that's the memory I have with the Great Movie Ride in classic cinema when I was at Disney in the 1990s as a young boy. And ever since that, I was hooked on classic cinema. Well, my friend Christian Garcia, friend of the Ivory Tower Boiler Room, has a podcast that you all are going to love. It's called That Old Gay Classic Cinema. And he looks at queer themes in classic cinema, like Vertigo, The Wizard of Oz, Sleeping Beauty, Mary Poppins, 101 Dalmatians, Hello Dolly. The list can go on and on and on. So follow him on Instagram at That Old Gay Classic Cinema. You can listen to his podcast on Apple and Spotify. And he also is on the premiere episode of our Queer as Folk podcast, where I'm re-watching every episode of Queer as Folk from 2000. And the episodes come out bi-weekly. So make sure you listen to his episode with me. And he's launching a rewatch show of Smash, where they're putting on a Marilyn Monroe musical. So he's going to be joined by co-hosts, a lot who are in the Broadway and theater industry, and I'm going to be on his first episode. So without further ado, get listening to That Old Gay Classic Cinema. Enjoy. Yeah, no, no that's absolutely true. Um, and something I recognize from my life as well. Because being an entrepreneur is, in many ways, a way of taking more risks than people who go for job charity or working for someone else. But uh, but really, what you get in return for that is, is freedom to realize your own visions. And to me, that's extremely valuable. I mean, I have the kind of lifestyle where sometimes I don't know where my next paycheck is going to come from or if it's going to come at all, you know, and that's that's scary sometimes. But on the other hand, it's just, it's so liberating to know that everything I do, in a sense, is something that I choose and I create. And, you know, I have the freedom to say no to something I don't want or people who are not aligned with what I want to do. Um, so, so that's a huge privilege to me. And 
how do we work through the obstacles? Because you've been an entrepreneur longer than I have. And I'm already seeing, like you said, there is that liberation of even when I go to a grocery store now or the Dollar Tree, I just remember there's been beautiful fall decorations. And I think if anyone knows me, Sophie does, that I'm a huge Halloween horror fan. I'm like very obsessed with the Gothic and all of that, <laughs> all of that energy. <laughs> so, but even like being in a store, I can look around and think, wow, I'm just enjoying this moment. I think when you do work for a corporation, or you have that nine to five. I was glad that I had an internship where I was more in the nine to five because I really loved the workplace. Um, it was the um, College of Arts and Sciences at Stony Brook. I got to do a communications internship. Oh. And I want to shout out Rachel Rodriguez, the director, who taught me so much and is wonderful. So her, Danielle, who was hired there, were just excellent. And it did. it, it does teach you oh, okay, there's the structure of the workplace, there's um, the set schedule, but our schedule, having this flexibility, I, I needed to see that structure in order for me to understand, you know, I really do love what it means when you own a business, right? When you own your own work, there is that individuality and freedom you're not working for a corporation or an industry that mm. you're not right. We get to dictate where we see our vision, but you're right. The paycheck, exactly. the finances mm. <laughs> are the obstacle. That obstacle is a huge obstacle, but this is where, um, how have you worked through that? I'll mention one more thing, which to me has been a really big obstacle. And it's this idea that, you know, when we start out, we kind of feel like I, I just need to get to the right level. I, I just I need to be good enough. I need to beat the competition and then everybody's going to see my value, you know, and they'll hire me or I'll get ahead or wh whatever it is. But I've had to learn the hard way that it just doesn't work like that. Like you, you have to promote yourself constantly. And I think that that's a big obstacle for a lot of people. Like if, if you're not used to really putting it yourself out there and like drawing people's attention to your worth and what you're able to do for them. Um, that's something I had to learn for sure and still working on, frankly. Well, and I've been so excited to see how much more you've been out there on social media because that's something mm -hmm. people look to me. I really love shouting out um, businesses I go to, people who mean a lot to me. But I'm not nervous to be in front of the camera, which is where my theater background has really played a nice role is how much I enjoy the performativity. But also, you're right, though, especially where we were trained, when you are trained in such a specialized field, right? Field, right? For you, violin performance. And for me, literature. It, it doesn't always attract the people who are used to being in front of the camera, right? Like we weren't going to acting school or modeling school. Hmm. Uh, it's a different industry. But I feel there's a way to merge these together, which has really excited me. Like to see you even showing not just your performances, but clips from the festivals or, you know, chatting with hmm. those who are involved. I'm like, Sophie, she's getting 
out there. She's, you know, more uncomfortable with the camera. It's been really mm -hmm. wonderful to see that evolution with you. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, and how did you, how do you start to so many out there? I'm sure that's one of their biggest obstacles, even with whatever work you could be in a corporation and shouting out the work you're doing in that corporation. Again, you just have to mm -hmm. make sure you adhere to certain, um, workplace regulations because all workplaces have different regulations about social media but how did you eventually get that confidence and i know you're working through it but when did you realize okay <laughs> i really do have to start to not feel selfish to promote myself because i think a lot of people i would hear academics say to me sophie i feel so vain mm -hmm. or narcissistic when i promote my work and i'm like no 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 right Right. No, go ahead. No, I, I think I, I just I had to get over this idea that, you know, other people had the responsibility to discover my value. Like, I, I think I just in a way I expected that, you know, if let's say if I hired other people or if I if I somehow proved my worth to people, then, you know, there would be reciprocation. And sometimes there is, but like a lot of times there isn't. And I think I just had to get over this obstacle that is that, you know, that, that the people who promote themselves in, in a very aggressive way are usually not very sympathetic people. I mean, that that's a cliche. And I, I think I just had to ditch that cliche and say, you know what, everybody have to do this and it's okay. You know, you, you just have to do it in, in a sustainable way, in a way, in, in a way that's, that's true to your integrity and your values. And as long as you stick to that, as long as you don't sell yourself out like some politicians do, <laughs> to be frank, then uh, yeah, you're you're gonna be okay. And another obstacle I feel that I'm sure you have feelings about too is, I know we're talking more about promoting yourself, mm -hmm. and I also really think that that idea of being, um, you said not sympathetic. And that a lot of people who think that they're out there publicizing themselves and promoting themselves think that um, their narcissists are the only ones who are really uh, talking up their work. But you're so mm -hmm. right that, no, once you let go of that, you start to connect with those who also are putting themselves out there. And that's been something so exciting are the ones who I connect to who have also created their own enter their own businesses, their own mm -hmm. media faces, done something with their PhD where I realized, wait, I interview so many creative writers who have a PhD. And that's been a topic with me and realizing that um a academic frame of mind can mean so many different things. And being an academic is not the university. And I know that might sound controversial, but being an academic is not tied only to the university. It's tied to whatever analysis you're bringing to a project. And Absolutely. like I see it in your work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, really to me, being an academic, is a, it's about having some critical approaches to, to your work and you know, having some solid tools uh, that you can create solid analysis or whatever your work is like to to just to um 
to have a certain quality, a certain standards and, and certain kind of references. And above all, to me, it's really about critical thinking and freedom of speech. Um, yes, well, the freedom of speech, let's those, those get into really, that. Yes. The freedom of speech yes. is so important, <laughs> Sophie. It's something I bring up on this podcast so much now is about academic freedom, especially. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't want to pit a, a an ivory tower boiler room versus the university picture because I don't believe that. I know there's so many professors, mm-hmm. so many faculty who get to teach topics that are full of nuance, full of controversial material from whatever political side that might be seen from be seen as a vantage point. But I am seeing, especially as a queer scholar, that so many courses or so many topics that I really loved that that I taught at Stony Brook, that when I bring guests onto the show, Sophie, they're telling me that they really can't teach those courses anymore. Or like they're Mm -hmm. now put under the microscope. And I'm seeing that it's really especially if you deal with sexuality or um, anything that can be seen as like you yourself having your identity in the curriculum or your identity is part of the topic that you're even more Mm -hmm. under investigation. And I feel, Mm -hmm. isn't this now the time where we should teach those topics, where we should push the envelope and cause debates? Yes, definitely. And I think one of the things that people really need to realize is that this is not coming from one direction. This is coming from multiple directions. And these culture wars that, you know, you guys started and unfortunately we've imported now in Denmark, you know, are are really based on this, the fact that you can can grab onto any idea or any any cultural phenomenon. And, you know, if, if you want to concentrate power, you can just like twist it to your advantage. We're seeing that with universities who like use ideas about safe spaces or inclusion to uh, to shut down free speech, which, you know, is not at all in, in the spirit of those ideas. Um, just to name one example. So I very well, much the, agree with what you're saying. Well, here. And the university, this is why I never believed in trigger warnings is because a lot of my formative years as an undergrad were when academic debates happen. Like I had a lot of debates in the classroom when I was an undergrad. Like I remember mm. the professor was so good at facilitating the debate and professors, they are, or are supposed to be, they're supposed to be trained in knowing how to do the Socratic method. So if someone brings up a topic that students are going to vehemently disagree with especially this happened in my human sexuality course like mm-hmm. not even just about people's sexuality i mean like i remember some didn't believe in homosexuality and like i was having it out with them in a civil way again mm. this wasn't fist fighting right. like you can do it in a very discursive way which to me is what the university you were supposed to mirror uncomfortability but in a space where you know you're going to be protected as a student by voicing something that others would disagree with and learning discourse Mm -hmm. learning political not political but you're learning rhetoric we we should be learning the rhetorical strategies of argument 
Definitely. And, and to add one more thing to that, to, to me, one of the really central points of having a culture that promotes free speech um, is the fact that if we don't have those open discussions, if we don't allow, let's say, the dominant ideas to be challenged and, and for people to have that kind of context and, and learning experience, we, we know for a fact that there's going to be some extremist with a much more sinister agenda, you know, ready and in the side halls waiting to grab onto those people. Um, yeah. So to to me, that's just that that's one of the most scary propositions of, of this whole development. Well, and something that I knew there was trouble brewing um, when I was applying for positions. Again, I've only applied to a few faculty positions. I might we'll see. Again, I I I'm betting on myself, Sophie. Like I've said here, I feel that right. I can really take this business full time and full scale that mm -hmm. if I did adjunct, I've thought about maybe teaching a few courses and like having that supplemental in term in conjunction with the ivory tower boiler room, but something that the writing was on the wall when I was getting advice from multiple professors that me being so erotic in my work and with the male male sexual environment of poetry, whether it was Whitman or mm -hmm. Wilde or anything I turned my lens to, everyone out there knows I'm really trained in male-male relations. Like that is my right. specialty. Um, and it makes me good for gay culture and having all of these types of conversations on the podcast. But I was told, are you sure you really want to talk about that in your work? Like, are you sure you want to do that in your letters? And I'm thinking, if I have to try to sell myself as more of a straight, sanitized Andrew, why would they, like, why would I want to be in that environment? Like, it doesn't even yeah. ethically make sense to me. Like, is this a place that would really even value my voice? Yeah, and a smart colleague of mine said at one point that you have to balance idealism and pragmatism in, in your work. Because like you, you can't go too far out of the idealism tangent, you know, that, that way you're just going to paint yourself into a corner. Like you have to, to some extent, meet people where they are and, and where, you know, where there's a market for your work. But you can never go so far as to sacrifice your authenticity for that. And I, I think that's really, it's so important to, to learn where that balance is for you. And, you know, it varies from person to person. Like some, some people may be ready to go very far. And, and for some people, like they, they have a sort of very narrow brand that they need to stick with. And I think you just, you, you have to, you have to be aware of what consequences you're willing to accept as a result of staying true to what you want. Because let's be, let's be real, there are consequences to, to mm -hmm. valuing your authenticity and your work. And um, I mean, to me, I'm, I'm willing to pay most of those con consequences. Just to, to take an example, you know, I, I've decided to go more actively into politics and I have a very active Twitter account uh, where I, I tweet about Danish politics. And I remember I, I talked to a career counselor at one point about this and told her, hey, do you think this is going to be a problem for me? And she said, yeah, definitely. This is going to be a problem for you. This is not something that, that you gain, gain more audiences on uh, in the music business, typically, unless you make it part of your brand. And I think I, I just chose to 
accept that as a consequence and say, well, in that case, you know, my audiences have to be okay with this. And if that means getting a smaller audience, you know, having a more alternative audience for, for my art, my artwork, that's, that's okay for me. Um, on the other hand, you know, I, I might, I might not need to say everything that comes into my mind. I, I can also choose to focus very strategically on a few things that are important enough to me that I feel like I need to voice my own, my opinions on them. So that's a wonderful yeah. example, Sophie. And I feel now I'm a cultural commentator. I mean, I call myself an unapologetic gay scholar slash gay literary mm -hmm. provocateur. And uh -huh. yes, I, I want everyone out there, especially if you're thinking of going into more entrepreneurial work. You've seen the title of this podcast episode and mm -hmm. you're like, okay, I need to hear this conversation. Sophie nor myself are painting this picture that you're we're not taking risks because or cons there aren't consequences because the consequences of what I'm doing is I don't want to say that I wouldn't be able to get a full-time professor position, but there are definitely universities where I'm so public now with all of the aspects of my work and identity that like attracts like. It'll be a university that really wants that gay literary provocative voice. Like they know that mm -hmm. the, these are the topics that I talk about. This is, I'm not going to sugarcoat things. I'm not going to... Um, if I am at that university, I still want to continue the media work I do. And not all universities, mm -hmm. a lot of them are not comfortable with someone bringing in their own brand and their own business, unless mm -hmm. it's someone who, like, I'm sure you know, Sophie, I'm sure it's the same in the music business, until a place sees your value and your work, um, that you've created such a brand that has lat people have latched onto it, and then they realize it's mm -hmm. a safe bet. Like I've always seen, if you made a mm -hmm. name for yourself, then it's okay. It's kind of like an actor. I feel entrepreneurs, yeah, actors are entrepreneurs, and they're always auditioning. They're always not knowing where their paycheck is coming from. I kind of feel like I've entered back into the theater community. Because it has that similar model um, of uncertainty. But mm -hmm. like you've said, can we really put a price on our freedom of ideas? That's when I came to this understanding of I can't, I can't go back. Like I can't go back from what I've created. Yeah. And if that's always in your mind, you're not going to be satisfied in a job where you feel you are not reaching your creative potential, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Hi everyone, this is Dr. Andrew Rimby and I am so excited to be talking about Broadview Press. You might be asking, what is Broadview Press, Andrew? Broadview is an independent academic publisher in the humanities that produces high-quality, pedagogically useful books for use in university and college classrooms. They publish in the humanities mainly English studies, writing, philosophy, and history, just to name a few genres. And recently, I had on Dr. Jason Holt, who wrote 
all about the philosophy of sport. And what better summer episode than to talk about what happens when a philosopher dissects the beautiful aesthetics of sporting culture. In the spring, I had on doctors Kyle Stedman and Tanya Rodriguez to talk about what is sound writing, how to make audio projects in the college classroom, how to even have your students create podcasts. And then in the winter, I had on Dr. Dr. Jeffrey Weinstock. He talked about analyzing pop culture. Yes, I even sneak in some Real Housewives questions. And how to teach composition and make it fun. He uses this whole metaphor about being a mad scientist in this gothic lab. And in the fall, I had on Dr. Ann Stevens, and she talked about literary theory and criticism. And yes, the university season is upon us. So what better way to talk about the college classroom than to actually understand what is literary theory? That's a wonderful episode for all of you out there who teach literary studies. I love Broadview Press. Make sure you use their exclusive code. It's Ivory Tower. On broadviewpress.com, you get 20% off all, all Broadview Press publications. Okay, until the next Broadview Press interview, and now back to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. LGBT stories are universal, but each one speaks to the individual heart and soul of the writer telling it. Do you have a story to tell? Or have you been moved by an LGBT book, film, painting, television show, or other form of media? Then the Gay and Lesbian Review wants to hear from you. The GNLR believes in bringing awareness to queer art and artists through reviews, commentary, and thought pieces in which the author relates their personal lives to a particular piece of art, a novel, a movie. In addition to the print magazine, the GNLR also publishes articles on its blog. So you can see all of this on glreview.org. That's G-L-R-E-V-I-E-W.org. Remember, you get 50% off your subscription of the GL Review magazine when you use the promo code ITBR50. That's 50% off your print or digital subscription when you use promo code ITBR50. To learn more about submitting an article for the GNLR, Visit their writer's guidelines. The link is located at the bottom of their homepage. And if you have any questions, email Stephen Hemrick. That's S-T-E-P-H-E-N dot H-E-M-R-I-C-K at glreview.org. The GNLR and its readers can't wait to see what you have to say. Yeah, and this is one another one of those balances that you you have to really ask yourself where where is my balance? You know how how much freedom do I need uh, versus how much security do I need? And again, that's very very different from for different people. Like some people are very comfortable with having a full time job, you know, having a steady income and going to work every day, um, and, and maybe only getting to realize their visions in their spare times so or side projects. And then there, there are other people for, for whom, you know, freedom is much more important, like, like me and like you. But then again, I think we also should not underestimate the, yes. the value of very basic financial security. I mean, basic financial security basically tops everything else, um, and, unless it's like a life or death kind of value that you're fighting for. Yes, um, yes. So, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm glad you brought that up because so many out there have different social um class concerns certain yeah. 
you know, not even like if you're struggling to, you know, have your electricity and, you know, a secure internet and your groceries, mm -hmm. you want that, you want that security of the workplace paycheck. So yes, yeah. I am not, I definitely understand. And not everyone, I also think both of us are saying too, everyone can bring in entrepreneurial. I believe everyone can learn from the entrepreneurial spirit of, like you've said, this balance, but it doesn't mean that everyone is suited to be an entrepreneur can manage a team because I think that's another thing too, is I have, to, mm -hmm. you know, I'm managing a team. I have wonderful interns from Stony Brook University. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is I always am so grateful and, you know, give Stony Brook their flowers because I've just met wonderful people there. And my mm -hmm. director, Susan Sheckle, incredible director. She even said like, Andrew, you know, you're now going into like, I see you really, I would advocate for my students to keep applying for professor jobs, but I can tell that you really should expand your business right now. Like this is time for you to do this work. And if you want to mm -hmm. apply for those jobs, they'll be there, but you're not going to know if you don't try. And I really knew I had to make this decision and pull the I, hate, I always use pull the trigger. I know that that can be, uh -huh. you know, a problematic phrase, <laughs> but it really is right. like literally right. opening the door and going for that marathon run of just sprinting. Like, let's just see what happens. But something uh -huh. I did want to bring up that you had mentioned before is about um, partnerships, because I'm so curious about your advice. Like you said, sometimes you think, Someone is offering you the st the world, the stars, the moon, but you mm -hmm. have to be very strategic. And I've learned this. I've been um, burned or I didn't have boundaries. I'm not going to say I was burned because I should have seen some signs. And now I learned, uh -huh. you do learn from your mistakes, hopefully. Um, and if you keep repeating them, then seek a therapist. Uh, but <laughs> When did you know, or what was a good lesson of, I thought this was really going to work out with a partner, but what I was putting into this equation was not on an equilibrium. Like this was unbalanced. Oh, well, um, I think there, there are multiple examples of that. I, I don't really want to highlight any particular partner. Um, but I, I, I will say this, that it's always it's so important uh, at the relationship or at the beginning of any relationship really to um, to communicate about expectations. Because like what, what happens so often is that there, there will be some kind of misalignment, again the alignment idea here, right? There will be some kind of misalignment of expectations and may, maybe both both parties to, to this collaboration think that the other person is on the same page and then it turns out at some later point that, hey, you did not have the same expectations and you have problems. You have somebody being unhappy, withdrawing from the collaboration, like acting out, whatever. Um, this is something that's happened to me multiple times. And I, I think one of the things that have that's happened to me is that my my organization looks quite quite professional in, you know, the way that we we present to, to the world and you know, you might you might get the impression because we, we have big name musicians like the Emerson String Quartet and other others in the same league. You might 
you might get the, uh, the impression that we also have a very large administrative organization and a very big budget supporting all of that, which we don't. Um, so I, I've sometimes had the experience that the people who've approached me for collaboration or work with me in some, in some sense ha have not known that and, and for that reason been unhappy with you know, whatever level of support we've been able to provide for them. And I mean, it, it, that's a very difficult situation, I think, to be in as, as an entrepreneur, because you really do want to sell your product. You, you want to show what it's worth. And, you know, I, I do think that New Music for Strings has a really valuable product. But um, yeah, so sometimes people don't know that there, there are limits to what, what you can do with a very small administrative organization as, as opposed to more established institutions who have like a, a whole team of full-time employees taking care of different aspects of, um, of how the business runs. I, and I think this is something that any like small-scale entrepreneur can relate to in some sense. Like if you have people coming in who are used to working maybe in, in big organizations, they're used to get, getting like a more specialized kind of support uh, from, from the staff that you're simply not able to provide if, if you're like a, a small business with just a few employees handling uh, administrative stuff. Absolutely. I mean, everything you just said, check, check, check. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's what I've thought about even, I think that because of all the promotion you have to do as an entrepreneur, that uh -huh. because you're out there so much, people assume that you're rolling in the money and the majority yeah. are not rolling in the money. And <laughs> like, you know, I'm even looking now into grants from New York, which hopefully cross fingers everyone it seems like i'm eligible for one um i know you've had to write a lot of grants sophie and yes it's what i've now had to take pause with because it's wonderful if someone you get a message where someone says oh i can't wait to talk to you i want to meet with you take a pause like if it doesn't seem that it's coming from i want to promote your work as well, like always know you have the option to say, um, let me think about what you're asking and offering and let me get back to you. You have that option. You have the option to say, this does not work for me right now, but I appreciate you reaching out and hopefully we can do something in the future. Or even what I've done a lot is, well, let's have a short meeting and let me hear out what you're offering because I'm not exactly sure yet how my business can help with your vision or, mm -hmm. but I would love eventually if we could cross collaborate. And again, sometimes it's just going to be a no. And I've had to say, sometimes Andrew, you have to say no, and it's not you being disrespectful, but other times I right. do want to hear what that person is offering. It's, but a lot of the times they're asking you for money and that's, <laughs> That's what now I've had to take pause because we have to realize, yes, sometimes taking a financial risk is worth it. I know it's not comfortable to put out money when you're a small business. Sometimes it is worth it though, right? Like you have to hear through what they're going to deliver. But other times, mm -hmm. and I'm sure you've seen this, Sophie, they're asking for money and you never feel that you're being, there's a reciprocal side of it. Like, okay. Right, right. How is this helping me? 
Yeah. And a good example of that is just like people cold emailing you with their like whatever art they want to sell. And yeah, we, we all know that doesn't work. Like you it's just a waste of time to, to do that. Yeah. Um and, yeah. And I and I think for our last part, which I can't believe this has gone by so quick, but <laughs> yeah. I feel that we definitely should address if this is, you know, okay with you, Sophie. Where right now, like you checking in right now, what yeah. is at the forefront of your mind in terms of these are my goals, this is what I want to manifest, um, this is what I need to work through. Like, what's your vision? You know, where where do you hope to bring new music for strings or even just Anne Sophie Anderson as <laughs> your own brand? Right. Um, well, there, there, there's kind of two answers to that. So one, one thing is that I don't think you can always see what's ahead. And I'm, I'm kind of in one of those at one of those junctions right now where like there are several strands of opportunity that I'm, I'm trying to pursue and I don't know which ones are going to end up being the, the dominant ones and you know, there, there's no other way really than just like take it one step at a time and I always say like do, do the next thing that feels like a logic next step. Um, so so I, I put a lot of faith in, in, in the universe to, to kind of guide me in that sense. So I, I take some steps and I, I see how it works out. One thing I've, I've really learned is that I, I don't want to waste my time knocking on doors that are just tightly shut, you know? I I want to find the doors that open easily because it's it's really not worth it to like struggle too much to um, if, if you want something specific. So I, I think for me, it's better to just, well, ha have some intentions about how you want to realize your own potential or the potential of an organization or wh whatever it is. And then just like taking small steps and, and, and see what kind of feedback you get back um, from from the universe. So that, that's one side of things, uh, I would say. Another one, which is so, something that I've neglected in, in my own life for the past many, many years, which I think is becoming more important to me, is just finding more pleasure in life. And I know that, that sounds like kind of banal thing, but really it's not because so, so many of us, when we're young, spend our time thinking about what's the next thing I can do that gets me closer to where I want to be. And we're, we're always thinking ahead to where we want to be and how can we further our own agenda more. And then, you know, one day you wake up and realize, wait, I'm 50 years old. What happened? So, <laughs> you know? I, I think it's really important to just remember to, to focus on whatever brings you joy in, uh, in your everyday life, even, even if it's not if, if life is not secure financially or in terms of relationships or whatever it is. And yeah, so that that's what my focus will be on. That is so powerful, Sophie. I mean, I agree with you. Taking pleasure in what you're doing is empowering. It is so, it's why I just feel so empowered right now of knowing who I am and not being afraid. Like, even if that means that I now am empowered on my body journey of positivity or, mm -hmm. you know, even being risque in certain places. I think for the mm -hmm. longest time, I was so nervous that I was going to be judged. And then I thought, wait, 
you're now steering your ship. This is on you. Like, and if something doesn't work out for me, like mm -hmm. if I feel that my energy is being depleted, cut the cord. Like this is nothing is I'm not signing blood contracts. And oh. I, I I think for the longest time, you're right. For me, it was always get the PhD. Like that was everyone who mm -hmm. knew me. Like that was my all encompassing goal, which was beautiful. It was wonderful. I did it. And I'm so proud I went through it. But now it's time for us, you, Sophie, me, everyone out there to really bet on ourselves and whatever that me means. It doesn't mean, like I said, you have to become an entrepreneur full time, but to right. bet on yourself to even go for that walk and just tune out of like, even at the workplace to say to your um, supervisor, you know, I really need to just take a walk. Your supervisor will probably be like, okay, I know you need that. Like, I think a lot of times in corporate spaces, people think that they have to keep performing, 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 and like sit at their desk. And that's going to dictate how they're seen in everyone else's eyes, that it makes them look better and more powerful. But guess what? The more honest people are the ones who others connect with. Like, just say, you know what? I need my break. Mm -hmm. And you will get a break. Like, you have to take mm -hmm. your break. That's something... Right. Like, I do think what we're doing right now, if we did enter into a corporate space, you bring that wisdom and energy. It's, and I do think corporations are starting to really be restructured as well because of uh -huh. people needing their time and needing um, their energy to be at its capacity, at its full level, which I think the pandemic taught us about. Mm these lessons that we're even espousing right now. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So my last, no, go ahead. If you're going to say something, Sophie. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to say that I, I think the perspective you're bringing in, especially regarding corporate culture is very much a, a U.S. perspective, which I, I would totally agree with. Um, if I were to like add a European dimension to this, I, I would say that actually you could go in the other direction and say like we don't it doesn't always have to be about having a structured work-life balance and like really really thinking about how to obtain that and how to like how to do your best on, on all fronts of life and like achieve both at, at the workplace and at home and your relationship, whatever it is. But also sometimes to just like allow yourself to go with your passion and just, you know, forget about time, forget about taking mm -hmm. breaks and, and all of that. And, and just like really, really get to the bottom of your passion. And to, to me, that's, that's the most positive vision of excellence that you can have. You know, it, it's like really, really going with that passion and just like, working and working and working on the details of it and, and until you've created something that you can really take pleasure and pride in. Um, so that, that, that's also that this is a kind of positive uh, work mentality that, that I'm sometimes missing because we, we talk so much about discipline and, you know, you've, you've been trained in acting, you know, I've been trained in music. We, we know what discipline is and it's, it's a really useful framework to have. But at one, at one point, you just have to let go of that framework and, and let it work for you. Um, and I, I think we're probably at that point. Hi, this is Dr. Andrew Rimby, and I'm so excited to shout out the Gay and Lesbian Review, who is helping to sponsor the ITBR podcast. 
for all of you out there, the Gay and Lesbian Review is a bi-monthly magazine where you can discover new things about gay and lesbian literature, history, and culture. And the GL Review publishes essays in a wide range of disciplines, as well as a slew of reviews of books, plays, and movies, and a number of special features, such as artist profiles and their popular art memo column. Each issue of the magazine brings you consistently intelligent, lively, thought-provoking articles focused on a unifying theme. For example, their September-October issue centers on the theme Cracking the Closet. So, starting in the 19th century, a number of artists and writers found ways to crack the closet by expressing their sexuality between the lines or in the interstices of their work. For example, Ignacio Darnad, who is a friend of the ITBR podcast, he's been on our show, writes all about illustrator J.C. Leyendecker, whose work for Ivory Soap and Arrow Collars gave him plenty of opportunities to draw pictures of well-dressed and at times scantily dressed American men. And you also can find an article by Vernon Rosario, who has been on the podcast, and he talks about the quest for sex in the Middle Ages. So to subscribe, visit glreview.org. That's G-L-R-E-V-I-E-W.org. Click subscribe. So on their website, go all the way over to the right-hand side, and you'll see the button subscribe. Click subscribe and enter the promo code ITBR50 because you're getting 50% off your subscription to the print or digital edition of the Gay and Lesbian Review magazine. I can't wait for you all to have your copy of the Gay and Lesbian Review magazine and make sure that you take a picture when your magazine arrives or when you're reading it online and tag the GL Review on Instagram and ITBR and we'll share it out in our stories. Enjoy your reading, everyone. Hi, everyone. Happy almost holiday season. Because the holidays are upon us, I'm sure so many of you out there are thinking, oh my, what am I going to get my friends, my family, my children, my romantic partner, my husband, my wife, any you know, significant person in your life? Look no further than my good friend Mandy Bengal, who makes handmade crocheted items. Her company is called Mandy Made It. You can follow her on Instagram at M-A-N-D-E-E Made It. And you will see all of these crocheted items that she's going to be able to customize for you, including special characters, sports team figures, even holiday items like a snowflake or a Christmas tree. So I have Mandy's keychains. I have the poison apple from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. I have a rainbow. Um flag that she made me. So Mandy is able to really customize an order just depending on what your hobbies and passions are and, you know, what item you're really looking for. So because you're listening to me talk about Mandy, she said that anyone who goes to Mandy Made It on Instagram and orders from her and they've heard the Ivory Tower Boiler Room ad, she will give you all a free Ivory Tower Boiler Room t-shirt with your order. So head right now to Mandy Made It. You know, if you were really looking for that special gift, now you don't have to look any further because I have you covered with Mandy Made It. Okay, I hope you all enjoy your items from Mandy Made It. And please make sure that you take a photo of your crocheted items so that we can share it out on our social media. 
I know Mandy would love that. And I would love to see what you all are ordering from her. She even has an adorable pillow called Netflix and chill. And she has these cute coasters that she crochets for your favorite coffee or tea mug. So enjoy all your Mandy made it products. Absolutely. And I think as well, there was like one more point that you had brought up that I really was like, okay, I have to end with this. <laughs> um, but in terms of just even discipline, like letting go of certain structures, that was what it was. Like uh -huh. you even talking about you like journeying, letting time kind of be not a barrier. I think it's so beautiful because I just remember times I would sit with you, Sophie, and mm -hmm. you were so present in what you were doing. And like, I was always the calendar. I still am very into my organization, but I think mm -hmm. I've started to learn, okay, like let go of uh, let go of certain goals, future oriented goals that you really, Andrew, is it going to bring you happiness or you think you have to just keep adding to your checklist? Like, do you have to keep mm -hmm. just having something on the back burner? And mm -hmm. when you brought up earlier about doors that are always closed to you, that has really resonated with me right now because there are some when I reach out to someone and I feel that there's a barrier already and I'm uh -huh. someone who really believes in treating others kindly and understanding others' boundaries. And if there's someone who doesn't respect your boundaries or they're operating fully on ego, and I'm sure we all know those people uh -huh. where you know, they're not listening to you and right. they are um, very diva centered, we'll put it. Um, and in the entertainment business, I'm starting to have more entertainment connections and I've had to be more open to this of how people treat each other. Um, or if others think they're more high profile than you, you see this a lot, that there are some who think it entitles them to treat others harshly. And I think it's right. so unethical and it really is upsetting to witness. But why continue to bang on the door if the other party's not receptive? Like I've had to let go of, hmm. for me, why am I going to keep banging on doors just to add something to my to-do list when I'm so content and already have so much I'm enjoying doing that those other opportunities no. are present I just have to turn to the people who we're both filling each other's cup. We're both giving each other mm -hmm. happiness, contentment, and invigorating energy. Right. And and that's the thing. You know, if if we're so focused on pursuing something that we want outside of what we already have, then we, we forget to notice the people who are actually appreciating what we do. Like we so we, we have this thinking maybe that okay if somebody appreciates me something's wrong with them you know that's that's the kind of thinking i think that 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 we can resort to if if we're not like a hundred percent confident about our own value on the on the marketplace um yeah 
Absolutely. So, so that, that's really important. Yeah. And, and so, to so show those people that you actually appreciate them. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I appreciate you. Um, and <laughs> I want everyone out there to know how they can follow, you know, your festival, what work uh -huh. you're doing, where can they find you on social media? Um, I have a website called ansophieanderson.com. That's, that's my personal artist website. Then the festival website is called newmusicforstrings.org, O-R-G. Then I'm also very active on Twitter um, under N.S. Anderson. That's my Danish language account. I have a, an English language account too, but it's not super active. Um, yeah, and those and you're on Instagram. Active. Uh, I'm on Instagram too, yes. And uh, yeah, yeah. if you like dogs, then you should follow me on Instagram. I have lots of dog pictures. Good. I have all the links in our show notes <laughs> to find Anne's awesome. Sophie and Sophie Anderson's website um, and her new music for Strings Festival. So thank you so much, Sophie. This has been a pleasure. And I really hope that this resonated with those listening and that they reach out to you, reach out to me, you know, let us know if you want Sophie back on the show. I'm sure Sophie would come back on and we'll do a check-in, um, especially like as, you know, your festival is uh, gearing, um, you're gearing up for it again. So this has been wonderful. I'm just so appreciative to talk to you, Sophie. Thanks so much, Andrew. Definitely the pleasure is on my side as well. Thank you. Okay. Well, bye to everyone out there. And bye. I'm sure I'll be talking to Sophie more. Okay. Bye, Sophie. Bye. Hi, this is Dr. Andrew Rimby. I want to thank you so much for listening to the ITBR and TCIA episodes. Make sure if you don't follow, rate, and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Also, make sure you follow ITBR on TikTok and Instagram at Ivory Tower Boiler Room and TCIA on TikTok and Instagram at True Crime and Academia. Also, we have a brand new Patreon membership system. So I just want to explain it to you all quickly. So if you want to become an ITBR student, it is $5 a month. You get ad-free ITBR and TCIA episodes and video interviews. If you want to become an ITBR professor for $10 a month, you get all of those ad-free benefits, but you also get access to both the ITBR and TCIA book clubs. You can join both book clubs, get ad-free episodes, plus you're going to get all of our extra video episodes. So I am re-watching Queer as Folk. Christian Garcia from That Old Gay Classic Cinema is joining us, and he's re-watching Smash. Um, Mary is going to start to re-watch shows as well. You even get access to what I'm calling the ITBR teaches. So if I'm recapping a movie or a TV show, including Barbie, um, Halloween movies and horror films, you get access to that as well. And then I also am offering consultation services. So for $30, you get your first initial consultation with me. It's a one hour private Zoom. I will help create a, your podcast, your media brand. How do you navigate academia as an undergrad or a grad student? Do you need help with technology? It could be 
teaching tools, Spotify for podcasters, video editor so software? Do you want to expand your social media presence as an artist, writer, podcaster, or academic? Do you want help on how to create a public humanities identity like I've created for myself? So I now I'm offering that consultation service. You can find more info about it on Patreon. And you also can join our book clubs. If you want to just join the ITBR book club or the TCIA book club, you can do that for $4 a month. Patreon.com backslash Ivory Tower Boiler Room. That is P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Ivory Tower Boiler Room. Thanks to the team, Mary DePippi, our chief contributor. And thank you to our two new interns from Stony Brook University, Jonathan and Sarah. Bye, everyone. Until next time.